Hello, hello, and a very warm welcome to the Steps to Investing podcast, bringing you the latest market news, company headlines, and expert interviews to help you invest for a better return. I'm Marcus De Silva. And a very warm welcome to you all to Season 6, Episode 10, this is. This week in our big interview, we're going to speak to interactive investors, Myron Jobson. We've got him back on the pod. I saw these figures that basically showed there are as many crypto investors here in the UK as there are investors in stocks and shares ISIS. So that concerned me a little bit. So we're going to get the latest on, you know, what's been going on in the crypto markets and ask whether actually this is all a big con. Elsewhere in markets, we're going to have a look at how China's recovery is coming along. We're going to see how the US managed to bring to an end its debt ceiling negotiations. Plus, we're also going to take a look at the latest on the health of the UK's economy. And in companies, we're going to explore some quick headlines for Soda Ash, Vodafone in 3 UK, Microsoft, Shell and Apple. As always please don't forget to subscribe to the pod and to share. Okay, let's begin in markets and China. So investors are worrying really that some of the fire has gone out of the dragon there. China's economic bounce back seems to be losing its oomph and worries are now unraveling over what this will mean for global growth. So whilst the services side of the economy expanded in May, it was less so than in April, and manufacturing looked particularly flimsy, shrinking for a second month in a row. The housing and commercial property sectors were also pretty weak, and then we heard that exports came in weaker than expected in a sign that higher inflation in its key export markets around the globe was probably beginning to crimp spending a little bit and that demand for Chinese-made goods. As such, as it grapples strangely with disinflationary forces amid a sea of other economies that are all facing the opposite problem, the inflationary forces, it's China's central bank has moved to cut one of its rates to try and help give its economy some momentum. It seems as if this bump from COVID, the COVID reopening is fading and the economy faces a bit of a risk of a double dip. All told, some worry that it could slip into deflation. So market participants there kind of seeing that the central bank will probably take even more action down the line. In the US, the big news there is that they have avoided disaster and managed to reach a deal on this debt ceiling palaver. It's caused quite a lot of relief in markets, as you can imagine. Many were just worrying about just this calamity that it would foist not only on America but the globe if it were to hit this ceiling and default on its interest payments for the first time in its history. Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden managed to sit down and reach a bipartisan deal which then passed through Congress despite these objections from 71 hardline Republicans. Elsewhere, Following the latest inflation reading for May, which showed it dropping to 4% year on year, the lowest level in two years, the Fed took the decision to pause its interest rate rises. This was actually broadly expected, although the bank did say that there were two further rises down the line that were likely, which has caused a little bit of upset. 
broadly, the US market seemed to be doing much better this year, largely powered by the return to form of the tech giants who are being boosted by enthusiasm around the potential of AI. There remain some concerns over the banking sector, though, and credit availability, especially given reports that the regulators may force banks to hold more capital in order to buffer the system a little bit. And finally, in the UK, we heard that public sector borrowing has risen significantly to 25.6 billion from 13.7 billion. So this comes even as the economic numbers show we seem to be avoiding a recession for the moment and more of us are paying higher taxes because we've been sucked into higher tax bans. On the other side, the energy support scheme is quite expensive. Benefit support payments have been rising and we're paying more on our debt because of higher interest rates. So all of those things are really stinging the coffers somewhat. Elsewhere in the UK, the M&A snapshot is, is, here is, is proving to be a bit lacklustre. We can see deals have fallen to a seven year low at around 90 billion for the first five months of the year, which is half of last year. This is despite uh, quite a big deal with veterinary pharma group Decra agreeing to a 4.5 billion pound takeover from Swedish private equity group EQT. Inflation and high cost of debt is likely part of the reason. The other part is pressure from competition authorities following uh, the decision in particular to block Microsoft's takeover of Activision which may be muting the values that investors are willing to pay for companies here a little bit. On inflation, the latest is that wages are up 7.2% over 12 months to April, and unemployment has fallen to 3.8%. All of this is inflationary, so it means that the likelihood of further interest rate rises this year goes up, basically. The current base rate is 4.5%. All told, over the month, the FTSE was down 2.14% to 7,612 points. The FTSE, not the FTSE, the S&P 500 is up a staggering 5.71% to 4,373 points. The stock 600, that is Europe's big bourse, is down 0.81% to 463 points. And finally, the Shanghai Composite is down 1.16% to 3,253 points. And finally, companies, let's run through some of the interesting headlines of late. We heard that We Soda, which is the world's largest producer of soda ash, I had to go and look this up. It is sodium carbonate. It is a very commonly used ingredient in all sorts of different things like detergents, soaps, disposable batteries. So the company announced it was cancelling its London IPO. That's when a company comes to the market for the first time in a fresh blow to London's reputation as a global financial centre. It said it was unable to get the valuation it wanted amid extreme investor caution in the UK. Elsewhere, a deal has been struck by Vodafone and 3UK to merge their UK operations, which would make the biggest mobile network in the UK. Given they are three and four, those two companies at the moment, what they've now got to do is to hurdle approval from the Competition and Markets Authority and convince them that prices are not going to rise, which could be challenging. In the US, the competition regulator there has followed the UK's Competition and Markets Authority by recommending Microsoft's acquisition of Activision is blocked, 
saying it would substantially lessen competition there. It seems this particular deal is splitting global regulators, given that the EU regulator approved the deal. Shell has had a couple of its adverts banned for greenwashing effectively by giving the impression its low-carbon products made up a much larger proportion of its energy mix, which the Advertising Standards Authority said was misleading. Shell weren't happy about this ruling, saying efforts like this would slow the green transition as it would make it harder to raise awareness of alternative products. Apple has fired the starting gun for mass market mixed reality headsets, launching its $3,499 Vision Pro headset. Certainly not cheap. Whilst it's not really offering anything groundbreaking, except seeing your photos, emails and videos really, really, really big, many of their launches kind of started in this way as they were kind of like dragging forward the capabilities of the past into a new product before you know those capabilities really developing into something new so i think that you know whilst at the moment let's see you know it, it seems a very expensive thing to sort of indulge in it, it is a really interesting product launch and and it, and it could lead to a very interesting uh, new area for for them and technology in general let us know what you think about this and whether or not it trumps facebook's leap into the metaverse Okay, let's get on to our interview with Myron Jobson and the Wild West of crypto. Hello all and welcome to the big interview on the Steps to Investing podcast. I'm Marcus De Silva. As crypto continues making news amid stories of collapsing exchanges, regulator lawsuits and marketing clampdowns, we're going to speak today to our regular contributor, and Interactive Investors Senior Personal Finance Analyst, Myron Jobson, to get the latest on the world of crypto, to try to unravel it a little bit and explore whether it is all actually just a big con. Myron Jobson, welcome. Thank you so much for having me back on, Marcus. It's good to be back on. It's good to have you back on. So let's start with the technology itself. You know, Bitcoin, all those kind of different cryptos are underpinned by a bit of technology called blockchain. So what is this and why has it been so game changing? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I'll try to explain it in simple terms. I've seen so many online defini well, definitions online on blockchain and I find them quite confusing. So let's hope this helps. So for me, blockchain is a decentralized ledger. So it's maintained by a network of computers where each transaction is, I suppose, meticulously recorded in a block. So these blocks are then linked together, creating an unbreakable chain of information. And so the core appeal of it lies in its immutability. So once a block is added to the blockchain, it's nearly impossible to alter or delete the information that's contained within it. So this immutability enhances the security and trustworthiness of the data stored in the blockchain. And also the transparent nature of blockchain also allows participants to verify and audit in transactions um, independently. Um, and it's quite interesting because while blockchain gained popularity um, with cryptocurrencies, 
let's all say it's Bitcoin mainly, um, its potential applications extend far beyond that. So industries such as supply chain management, healthcare, finance, um, voting systems, which I think intellectual property protections are all actively exploring the use of blockchain to improve security, security and transparency and efficiency in their operations. Okay, so this ledger could be used with, you know, there's all sorts of applications for this particular ledger. Rather than a piece of paper, it is a digital ledger. And a currency is just quite a simple application. So it's probably why it started there. Would you say that's sort of a fair fair assumption? Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's security and transparency. That's the key appeal to it. So once a block is added to blockchain, it's almost it's nigh impossible, according to you know these tech um, geniuses, I suppose, and um, to actually hack into it. And also, you, you can double check. You can double check the. Um, you can verify the the chain independently through different computer systems. I think those two elements are why it's so appealing. Okay, interesting. And when did it start to take off as an investment you know when did this really start to pick up gear as people really started getting into cryptos i would say 2017 that's when bitcoin um just exploded i remember at the start of 2017 i think bitcoin was priced at only a few hundred dollars um and it, it just exploded and i think it hit twenty thousand dollars um at cool. one point so that's just a significant uptick um in you know in in its price um and with that other people were looking at other similar products so things like ethereum ripple um came out of nowhere and also exposing it in popularity with a lot of spe- speculators hoping that yes they might have missed the uptick in the, the the price of crypto but there are other similar products that also use blockchain technology that they could profit from so 2017 i'll say was the year where crypto really took off and since then um it's crypto has had an interesting transition i suppose so um during the pandemic for example it soared into new heights so from 2017 things settled down significantly actually dropped to around three thousand pounds at one point so three thousand dollars at one point the price of bitcoin dropped to three thousand dollars um, at one point um but during the pandemic it saw another rise um, and i have a theory actually marcus i think you know during the pandemic um because of the enforced lockdowns here and abroad a lot of people found time to actually just research things that they perhaps wouldn't research and bitcoin cryptocurrency was all the rage back in the day you know you'll see it on social media you'll see it in adverts you know all those sorts of things and so a lot of people thought and especially people um, who became one of those accidental savers, um, basically they had more disposable income because they couldn't spend it on restaurants because restaurants were shut or, you know, going to the cinema or theatre because restaurant uh, theatres were shut. They, saw, they found themselves with more disposable ca- um, cash and they thought, well, actually, perhaps I could speculate, speculate, not invest. I think that's a key word, speculate on cryptocurrencies in hope that I make multiples in returns that I've heard about on um, social media. And so I think that really did drive um, another peak in the interest of cryptocurrency and not just interest, but also the price of cryptocurrencies. But again, that has come down um, significantly. So Bitcoin was touching $60,000 at one point um, during the pandemic, and now it's teetering teetering just above twenty thousand dollars at the moment so yeah it's been a roller coaster ride of 
Right, okay, so they had a bit more time on their hands, I suppose. They had a bit more money in the bank because of things like furlough. They probably kind of heard it, you know, in the back of their mind, it was sort of sitting there because they'd seen adverts for it and they sort of was aware that it was a bit of a trend. And then I suppose the market, sort of the breadth of it had grown. There were a lot more coins available. And and would you say they were quite, I mean, you've mentioned that they were speculating. So would you say that they were aware they were speculating? Would you say they were aware of the risks that were involved with buying these sorts of things? See, I don't think so. I'll say categorically no. And the reason why I'll say categorically no in, in many instances um, is because thing, you know, agency like the ASA, that's the ad, Advertising Standard, um, well, I forgot what the other A means, but ad, ad, the Advertising <laughs> Watchdog. Let's just call it Advertising Watchdog, Marcus. Um, <laughs> and they reprimanded um, quite a few um, companies that have marketed crypto for just not making clear the risk that involves in cryptocurrency because let's be clear there's no intrinsic value in these coins all of it is just based on sentiment and unlike traditional stocks so you know i could invest in one stock and it might have property so it has intellectual property or might have property there might there might be some sort of value that you know investors can hold on to to say that oh listen this is what gives it value you can't say the same for cryptocurrency and that's not really made clear, I argue even now, um, certainly not back, um, you know, during the pandemic. Um, and as such, a lot of people, I think, just almost let walk their way into speculating in cryptocurrency because they thought, oh, it, it was a dumb thing. Um, some people made money, many people didn't. Okay, that's really interesting. I'll get on to that in just a sec. So, because the other thing I suppose that took off in lockstep during that period of time with COVID, they kind of called people armchair investors, really, because of the fact that we were sort of all locked away, was meme stocks, I suppose. And But the difference with those, and maybe the difference they didn't appreciate, was the fact that a stock, as you say, has an intrinsic value. There's something to pin the value of the share price on because it has assets, it has intellectual property, as you say, it has products, it has services, whereas they weren't quite aware around cryptos literally just being a, a difference between how much of, of an asset there is and, and the willingness to buy or sell that. Exactly. And it's, it's quite interesting that, you know, you mentioned GameStop and you know, that it's just, it was all part of this really interesting period um, for the investment world where, you know, Game, GameStop just out of nowhere blew up. Why? Sentiment. Um, but, you know, again, at least they had some, they, they have theater, physical theaters, they have intellectual property, they have something, you know, behind the share price. Bitcoin cryptocurrency just, just doesn't. Now, you mentioned about people, you know, not making money. Do you think there's far fewer people making money than the people who are losing money? I think so. This is just like one of those inkling things. I've seen some surveys, but, you know, some of these surveys um, are only of, you know, a couple of hundred people and stuff um, saying that more people have lost money than they have made, um, well, than they make, they made money investing in crypto or speculating crypto, as I like to say. And I suppose it really does depend on who you ask. I mean, again, I'll go on to talk about social media again. Um, I've seen posts, actually, I've spoken to a colleague about this. I've seen posts of people driving their a new Tesla and claiming that they were able to buy the Tesla through um, gains they made by investing in cryptocurrency. Um, and they very much say, yeah, invest in cryptocurrency. This is why I did it. No, no one can validate that. No one can say that is actually the case. Um, <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot of misinformation that are out there, that, that's out there. I mean, 
you know, let's let's be clear. There are people who have made money for sure. I mean, one of my good friends made a decent amount. You know, we're talking probably six figures um, in, in crypto, um, and that's because he invested in Bitcoin back in two thousand and thirteen. But no, no one heard of Bitcoin. Um, and yeah, he 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 made decent money. He actually ended up selling out of the coin. Um, before before it peaks during the pandemic, but he still made a significant amount of money. And you know what he did? He used that money to invest in conventional stocks, you know, <laughs> which or con conventional funds, not just stocks, but funds and you know um, multi asset funds. And he also used a portion of that money to um, buy property. You know, so he's a he's a landlord now, um, which is great for him. So I'm you know, I'm sure, and we've heard those stories on um, being reported. So yeah, there are a lot of people who made money, but the thing is, I, I think you know from people I've spoken to um, who invest in cryptocurrencies, is a lot of them were sitting on you know pay, positive returns on paper, but they didn't necessarily realize it at the right time. So they got in as the asset was going up, and instead of, of selling as it was going up, they put more and more in, um, and then because of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, it's very, very volatile by nature. Um, they didn't sell at the right times. And now a lot of them are nursing paper losses. And a lot of them actually have, from people I've spoken to, have sold out just saying, you know, what a waste of time. You know, this was a fad. I wish I didn't invest in this. Okay, so that's a really interesting message here. So you think very much that the amount of money that has been won, you know, some people will have done that. But those who have successfully managed to keep hold of those gains, crystallize the gains and then do sensible things like roll them into other financial assets or things like property. Those people are few and far between. And actually, the big story out there is that there's a lot of people sitting on losses. Yeah. And, you know, it's quite interesting. So during the height of the crypto boom, um, I think it was around 2020 or 2021, um, we, or the company I work for, Interactive Investor, we did a survey just to gave you know, what was going through people's head and investing in cryptocurrency, so to speak. I thought, what is going on? Let's commission the survey to see what's going on. And we asked people who invested for the first time what they invested in. And 40, it was like 45% of people said, of, of the sample said that they their first ever investment was in cryptocurrency. And something like a quarter of, of the people who said that um, said that they took out a loan or they use a student loan or they use their credit card to actually fund cryptocurrency investment speculation, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And now I, I think back to those people who said that they actually took out a loan and think, well, <laughs> the borrowing, <laughs> borrowing rates have increased um, because interest rates have gone up quite significantly, hasn't it? It's now 4.5%. Back then it was at 0.25%. Um, and so it's kind of like, wow, cost of borrowing has gone, gone up. Crypto hasn't really recovered from, you know, such a downfall that it happened during after um, the pandemic. So not only are these people sitting on paper losses, but also they have to repay the money that they invested, right? Um, because they borrowed the money. So it's 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 actually a scary thought that these people are being hit with a double whammy of crypto losses and also having to find some find the money to repay um, the loans that they took out to invest in cryptocurrency which is just getting increasingly more expensive. That is a really terrifying thought, actually, because even in the world of, of more regular investing, where you're investing in, you know, 
collectives, mutual funds, which is a lot more diversified and risk is a lot more managed. Never is the suggestion take out credit in order to go and do that. You never do that, right? You always have three to six months of cash and then you use your own money to invest because the returns that you get from investments are unlikely to uh, be larger than the interest you have to pay anyway on that on that, on that kind of fast kind of debt. Plus, also, it's just a very risky thing if things go wrong, correct? Yeah, exactly. And the thing, but the thing is, when people are faced with adverts that says, if you're seeing this now, now's the time to invest in cryptocurrency, now it's time to invest in Bitcoin, a lot of people will think, well, now it's a no-brainer. And I think a lot of people got suckered into doing so because of those kind of adverts. Because, you know, one of the things, the interesting um, uh, bits of information that I saw from you was that there are now almost as many people invested in cryptos as there are stocks and shares ISA. ISAs, you know, and, and stocks and shares ISAs have been around a long time. The sensible side of investing has been around a long time. Why have the, the crypto peeps out there managed to be so successful at bringing people in? It's it's what they promise a potential the potential of higher returns. So cryptocurrency is showing the potential for significant price appreciation in such a short period of time. And you know some early crypto Bitcoin, um, investors in Bitcoin, for example, experience significant returns on their investments. Um, of course, that's not always the case. And so this potential for higher returns. And I suppose in this really awkward um, investment environment that we find ourselves in. in like, traditional investments have struggled recently, but last year was a terrible year for investments. This year, a lot better, actually. Um, most of the major indices are up this year, but it's quite volatile because of what's going on with inflation and interest rates and how that affects investments. With the cost of borrowing going up, not a lot of companies want to invest. You know, It has a macro um, effect. So a lot of people are thinking, where can I get returns? And they look at cryptocurrency and some people think, hmm, let's, let's take a punt, you know, Yes, we know it's very volatile, but maybe I can get in now and maybe there's, you know, crypto is due for another boom moment. Um, so some people just want to speculate for potential high returns. Um, some And with that, actually, some people might argue that crypto, you know, crypto as an asset is well, over a decade old now, I think. Um, and so some people say, right, it's becoming a little bit more established with understanding what it means to invest in crypto we have some we understand the behavior behaviors and sentiment towards crypto so some people might say that it's now teetering to, towards being an alternative um, asset like gold is or like property is i don't i don't necessarily agree but you know some people might argue that so some people might argue that it might be um you might want it to include as part of your portfolio for diversification purposes so you have the majority of your portfolio invest in stocks and bonds you know the whole 60 40 um, um portfolio construction but instead of you know you might cut your weight into stocks and bonds to then add something else another alternative like property investment like gold or like crypto to you know, help prop up the portfolio and to help prop up the performance of the portfolio. So, so some people might be investing for diversification purposes. And, you know, and some people might just believe that crypto is the future. Some people might have faith in blockchain and uh, the use of blockchain as, you know, within cryptocurrency as being the future and want to get in now um, while I suppose they think, you know, it's relatively reasonably priced at the moment before it explodes again. But, you know, whether that's true remains to be seen. 
There's talk from regulators of, you know, regulating it as a, as a gambling kind of product. Do you, do you agree with that? It's interesting, isn't it? I, I've always said, and I've, I've been quoted as saying that, you know, speculating crypto is it's akin to um, playing the slot machine in the Las Vegas um, casino. And um, I, I, I want to say I said it first before the MPs said it. I, I said this back in like 2000. <laughs> I just, just want to get it out there. Um, it, 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 is, it is risky. There's no doubt that it's high risk. And it's only right that um, these the risks are made aware. And I suppose that's why the Financial Conduct Authority, um, was it this week or it was, was it this week? I think it was at the start of this week or was it the start of last week when they announced the measures um, on cryptocurrency um, and firms that sell um, crypto market crypto have to make sure that um, their customers understand what they're getting themselves into, which I thought was quite interesting. They have to understand what they're getting themselves into. How um, these firms will prove prove that their customer base mm. has a level of knowledge of the of crypto products. I don't know. That's anyone guess because I think the key question is what does good look like? What you know? What does a good what's what's good appropriate knowledge or um, level of knowledge on products? We just don't know. Um, but yeah, it's clear that health warnings needs to be slapped across all of these crypto products so people just know what they're getting themselves into. Okay, interesting. So they're going to really tighten up how the marketing of these products is done. And somehow those exchanges are going to need to prove in some way that people understand the risks. Yeah, I think there's talk actually, I think the FCA said, these risk warnings could include statements such as don't invest unless you're prepared to lose all your money. Um, And this is a high risk investment, and you should not expect to be protected if something goes wrong. Um, and also there's a cooling off period. So um, and I think it's a 24 hour cooling off period. So people can get their money within 20, back within 24 hours if they decide actually it's too risky for me. Just on the types of people that are buying crypto assets, is it the young? Do you know what? I think it's people across all ages. I think youngsters are more willing to, well, don't want to say brag, to, to, to disclose that they are investing in cryptocurrency. So going back to the research that we did back in 2020, I think it was, the majority of respondents were young people. When I say young people, eight people aged between 18 and 29, which I, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm in my thirties. I'm, I still think I'm young. So um, yeah, I, so, so, you know, I, I, and I think, so when you extend that, so it was people between, I think it was like 70% of people between 18 and 35, um, the majority said that they invested in cryptocurrency. But when you speak to other people, when you speak to people in the business, when you speak to fund managers um, privately, they say that, yeah, they, they have a little bit of cryptocurrency just, just to see, you know, you know, see how it goes. Um, they always say that, they expect to lose money. So um, when I say they, um, people, well, older people, older adults always tell me um, that they expect to lose money investing in cryptocurrency, but they don't necessarily see the harm in speculating. Um, and I think that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with speculating um, if you know what you're speculating on. Um, and that, but that's, a key, that's the crux of the issue is people don't necessarily know what they're speculating on. Okay, so I suppose what I want to know is, you know, you, you've mentioned it as you know, some people might 
might want it to be this sort of alternative asset and you know could it be as a part of a diversified portfolio I mean is there a sensible way of approaching this you mentioned about you know being very aware that, that you're speculating being prepared to lose money I mean is the sensible way to invest in this is to ha- it be an amount of money that you're prepared to lose the entire lot I mean is that how you should kind of approach it personally I'll say so. I think if you invest in cryptocurrency, it shouldn't necessarily be the bulk of your portfolio. Again, it's okay um, to speculate if you know what you're getting yourself into. So you have to do your research. And investors, it's just, just like investing one-on-one, investors should be carefully evaluate their own goals, their own risk tolerance, and understand that and understand that the crypto market before making an investment decision. If you have a low risk tolerance, stay away from cryptocurrency. You know, it's just too high risk. Um, or, you know, it depends on your time horizon too. But, you know, if for me, I don't think crypto should make up anything more than 10% of the average portfolio. Um, when I say average portfolio, these are portfolios that uh, are intended to be invested for at least five plus, you know, at least five years before redemptions are made from it. Um, so, you know, it's really important to just have a look, just consider, you know, your appetite to risk. If, if the thought of investing in cryptocurrency will keep you awake at night, why bother? You know, and that's the same with any investment. Okay, final little question for you. Little prediction about the future. Will we see crypto assets on Interactive Investor? I couldn't possibly comment. I mean, that is way, that's a question way above my pay grade. Me. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows, Marcus? Who knows? Who knows? Um, I don't think anyone, you know, who, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Marin Johnson, thanks very much. Okay. Well, a very big thank you once again to Myron Jobson. It's always great to have a little chat with him and to pose really challenging questions right at the end of interviews. I enjoy doing that. Um, uh, really interesting topic, I think, with cryptos please you know let me know if you if you uh, disagree with any of the things said there or you're a real proponent of the crypto approach or you've developed a strategy that you think is is a, is a good one for investing in crypto i'm sort of really interested to hear from some of those five million odd people in the uk who are seeing this as an interesting thing to invest in until next time goodbye